Conceptually, the technology has been built, been built upon the principles of, of others, but what we've been able to do is really commercialize it and innovate on those principles as well. So from a pure SAF perspective, what we've been able to do that nobody else has been able to do is create a 100% drop-in sustainable aviation fuel from carbon dioxide in a single step. That has yet to be done until now. Welcome to Sustainability in the Air, the world's first podcast dedicated to sustainable aviation. Our mission is to show the many paths to net zero for an industry that is one of the hardest to decarbonize. So every week we speak with airline, airport, travel and technology executives to help separate the signal from the noise. Whether you're a frequent flyer, an airline executive, if you care about sustainability or just love traveling, Welcome aboard! This is a show by Simplifying, who have been helping build trust and travel for over 15 years. This season of the podcast is brought to you by Sirium, which is empowering the global aviation industry to reach a more sustainable future with the most accurate aircraft emissions data. The show is also supported by Carbon Click, leaders in managing carbon offsetting programs for top global airlines. Without further ado, here is your host, Shashank Nigam, CEO of Simplifying. Gregory at Air Company is literally pulling SAF out of thin air. He started with vodka and now he has moved on to sustainable aviation. He has big plans to make sustainable aviation fuel accessible around the world. And I'm sure you will enjoy learning and hearing his story. Welcome back on the latest episode uh, where I have Gregory Constantine. Gregory, you're the CEO of the Air Company. And just for the airline listeners on this show, is not an airline, but this is a company that sucks carbon out of thin air. And I think you became well-known in a couple of years ago for making vodka out of thin air. Now you're making sustainable aviation fuel out of thin air and you're in Aussie in Brooklyn. There are so many threads here that I want to dive into. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so let's let's start with the Australia to Brooklyn story. How did you end up in Brooklyn? So I grew up in Australia. I'm from Sydney, Australia. Um, and almost a decade ago now, um, I, I ventured over to the US um, and, I, and I landed and I was in New York and I was in New York for, for almost a year and I, I eventually landed a job at a company called Diageo, um, which is a, one of the biggest beverage manufacturers in the world. Um, and, you know, it, it was there um, where I met, um, you know, whilst I was there, I met my now business partner and we, and we ended up coming together to start, um, to start a company. That's fantastic. So you met your co-founder and you decided to make vodka by capturing carbon from the air. Why would you do that? Yeah, so we we were always focused on, um, you know, making the, the, the alcohols and fuels that come out of our technology. Um, and we decided to applicate um, the, one of the alcohols that we make, which is ethanol, uh, into the consumer industries to begin with and monetize our research and development on a pathway towards, um, you know, you know, true scale, right? You know, really large quantities and, and, and lower costs. So um, that was the, you know, the, the the business plan, right? How can we use our, our our early stage of technology when our volumes are relatively low uh, and our cost is relatively high uh, on a pathway towards some of these really large industries, obviously aviation as well, where where you know the outputs needed a massive and the cost you know, and the cost needed to be is needed to be very very low. 
And did you always have these larger industries like SAF for airlines in mind? Or did you say, let's just try this vodka thing out, see if it works out? Yeah, we'd always had these large industrial markets in mind. Um, they were always, you know, uh, the time horizon on them, you know, we, we thought was going to be a little bit longer than what than what we're at now. Um, but we've had some incredible innovation on technology. We've had a lot of tailwinds from legislation, and obviously, you know, the the airline or the you know, not only the airline industry, but a, but a number of uh, industries have moved at at a, at a much higher pace to allow us to enter them them sooner. So. Um, yeah, we, we focused our early stage of our business on making sure that we can create the technology and make it work first and foremost. And that was always the focal point um, and, and, and hopefully making revenue along, along the pathway towards that scale, which our vodka and our fragrances do for us. Now, for those who are unfamiliar, what does Air Company do? How does carbon capture work technically? Maybe we can have a one-on-one. Absolutely, for sure. Um, so, so Air Company takes... Captured carbon dioxide, um, and we're, we're source agnostic on our on our source of carbon dioxide. So we can take CO two from you know from anywhere. Um, however, um, you know, in the US, we get a lot of our CO two from traditional fermentation, so traditional ethanol plants and, and their emissions. We take that carbon dioxide and, the, and and capture it before it's emitted into the atmosphere. We combine the carbon dioxide with hydrogen, and the hydrogen we create ourselves as well. In our facilities and it's all run on renewable power um, so right now we run on a mixture of solar and wind um, and when we combine the carbon dioxide and the hydrogen together inside our reactors um, the reaction that's caused creates um, you know a mixture of alcohols um, you know paraffins and, and aromatics uh, um, and water together and then we obviously separate out the mixture and then we applicate those to to the to the industries that we're in now this is very fascinating. Has this technology existed for a long time or is this something you've completely, you're completely doing from scratch? The principles of the technology have existed for sure. Um, uh, and, and, you know, conceptually the technology has been built, been built upon the principles of, of others. But what we've been able to do is, you know, really commercialize it um, and innovate on those principles as well. So from a pure SAF perspective, what we've been able to do that nobody else has been able to do is create um, a 100% drop-in sustainable aviation fuel from carbon dioxide in a single step. Um, that has yet to be done um, until now, which is what we've been able to do. So um, what that means is by doing it in a single step process, right, carbon dioxide and hydrogen in and uh, sustainable aviation fuel out, um, you know, we're far more cost effective because we're far more efficient. Um, and we have the ability to produce um, a 100% drop in fuel, so a fuel that, that does not need blending, as long as regulatory um, you know, allows it to. Of course, you recently did some tests with the U.S. Air Force on this, isn't it? That's exactly correct. Yes, uh, about about you know, six months to a year ago, uh, we won a contract from the from the U.S. Air Force, um, and part of that contract was to supply them with fuel, which we did, um, and we flew the first ever um, test flight that ran on our 100% um, air-made sustainable aviation fuel. We didn't have any blending whatsoever. Now, tell me, I'm just going back to the earlier point you were making. Why is it that others are not able to do what you're doing? Uh, we've made some pretty significant innovations from a technology perspective. Um, so we have a lot of IP around our, our, our reactors, around our systems, and around our catalyst. Um, and that's a lot of the... Um, yeah, a lot of the innovation that's happened is in and around the you know the technological um, you know, aspects of our of our technology. 
Right. Okay. That makes sense. So it's, it's, it is an intellectual property then, you know, that, that yeah. you're developing uh, here as well. Uh, in addition to, of course, the U.S. Air Force, you've now got orders from large airlines, JetBlue and Virgin Atlantic. Uh, tell us a little about those and how you're working with uh, some of these airlines. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been great to work alongside, you know, some of the airlines that you mentioned, right? You know, JetBlue, who their technology ventures is also an investor of ours as well, um, you know, along with, um, you know, a, a startup company called Boob Supersonic that are working on, you know, innovative new, um, you know, engines and planes, um, as well as, you know, the likes of Virgin Atlantic and, um, and others. And, yeah, we're working with, you know, some of these large commercial airlines on the ability to fuel their planes um, in the future uh, and, and have them fly on our air-made sustainable aviation fuel. Right. Now, you mentioned Boom. I did not. I had Blake Scholl on this show uh, last season. We had a great chat. The reality is a Boom flight requires way more SAV right. than a Virgin Atlantic flight across the, across the Atlantic Ocean from London to New York, for example. But there isn't, there's only that much SAV to go around especially today sure and even even more so in in 10 years how do you how do we meet this supply challenge yeah great 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 question um we need more companies that are that to, to come and work on innovative technology like this right we, we we can't be the only ones out there unfortunately enough there are some other groups out there that, that are trying to do so as well so that's a great start um but we, we need to we need to move you know faster we need the industry to get behind it as well so that's why seeing commitments from airlines is fantastic right you know all of the airlines want want south and, this, and, and this, the same you know question comes up is you know when will um, demand when will supply meet the demand and um, we need to get out there and, and, and build facilities and build factories and work with already existing partners that have that infrastructure in place to be able to put this technology um, into those facilities as well, um, which we're working on. Right. Well, it's it's great to see this egalitarian approach. You know, everyone, the you know, the, the tide should lift all the boats, for example. Right. You know? um, but one of the constraints of supply is price. Mm-hmm. SAF currently mm-hmm. is way more expensive than jet aviation fuel. Do you foresee this cost coming down and and at a rate where airlines can actually continue flying and offering uh, cheap fares across the Atlantic? Yeah. So um, the ability of our technology is that we are far more efficient, as I mentioned, right? Doing it in a single step process allows us to be uh, more cost competitive than other power to liquid SAFs. Now, um, what's allowed us uh, to, to, to speed up those timelines is legislation. Right. So, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, when you're seeing, you know, not only things like SAF credits, but credits on hydrogen as well, allows us to come down that cost curve drastically and in a far shorter time frame as well, which allows us to not only be more cost competitive than traditional SAFs, but also getting to the point, point of cost competitive nature with, um, with JEDA. Right. OK, so that's that's definitely encouraging. Right. There's the carrot and then there's the stick. Uh, right. And here the carrot is definitely delicious. Um, but given the limitations of biofuel feedstocks, especially mm-hmm. in Europe. E-fuels are very much seen as the future of SAF. Yet, you know, the, the quantities are not where it's required. So, for example, there's a report that states that um, replacing 8% of European aviation fuel in 2050, uh, in 2040 with e-fuels would use the equivalent uh, of the entire electricity consumption of Sweden or the Netherlands, right? How do we justify rerouting these resources towards aviation or, or travel yeah uh, uh we need to right and if you, if you think around kind of you know the resource of you know uh, energy consumption as well right the fact that renewable electricity you know as a feedstock 
is abundant, right? You know, we have the sun, <laughs> right, which can be a, a, a source um, for it as well. And it's really why it's important that, you know, power to fuels, like what we do, PTL, um, is run with renewable electricity rather than, you know, burning fossil fuels for it. And I think that we really need to um, see an increased deployment of renewable infrastructure around the world to meet climate goals uh, and the growing electricity demand as well. Right. Um, but it's still expensive, right? If E-fuels are expensive right now. Yeah, they, they, they are right now. And as with any innovative new technology, there's going to be a, um, you know, there's going to be a cost challenge that you need to come down, right? Solar, uh, solar, solar power on residential homes is now cost competitive. It was originally made to put in, to put in outer space for NASA, right? Where it was not cost competitive. So, um, you know, you, you need market dynamics to pull you in the right way. You need legislative changes and you need innovation um, and, 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 and the learning curve of that innovation. Yeah, that's a very good example how solar panels were developed for for satellites by, by NASA uh, to power these satellites. Now, you mentioned, of course, increasing supply and, and going up. Mm-hmm. How much supply do you think you yourself can produce and deliver by 2030? And, and how do you intend to scale up from there? Yeah, so we're in the process right now of building out our next two facilities um, that are going to be, you know, uh, essentially world scale uh, production facilities. Um, so uh, we anticipate those both of those facilities going live before 2030. So when you think of power to liquids fuels always being thought of as a post 2035 thing, right, to be able to have two facilities owned and operated by us um, potentially being um, live within inside this decade, that's, that's a massive win. And then the goal from our business uh, is to see the technology applied into um, as many areas as possible, but especially from a sustainable aviation fuel perspective. So going out and working with uh, you know, big business to understand how we can integrate our technology into their already existing infrastructure so that we can meet, um, help be a part of meeting some of this demand. Right. Now, of course, you've signed a few deals with, with airlines we, mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier. How soon do you think airlines will be taking off with your staff on board? The goal is inside this decade, for sure, right? and, and, and we're very, very hopeful of that. Um, you know, not only not from a you know not from a one hundred percent drop in. You know, given that we need you know regulatory um, hurdles to come down, but you know, for the blending limits that are that, that are in place now, definitely inside this decade. Right, and I know both the U.S. Air Force as well as recently. Uh, RAF in um, in the UK conducted 100% flights, uh, 100% staff flights uh, recently. So that's definitely encouraging. Yeah. Uh, let's let's turn back to uh, vodka and perfume. You know, these are both products offered by airlines and airports. Uh, you mentioned Diageo, your former employer, in retail outlets as well as in flight duty free. Uh, are you considering having airlines? Offer your air-made vodka on board or sell your perfume in uh, duty-free at the airport? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Wouldn't wouldn't it be great to, to, to step on a flight in the future that you're that is not only, you know, powered by air-made sustainable aviation fuel, but you can enjoy an air vodka martini on there as well. <laughs> yes, you're reminding me of uh, who is it, Ryan Reynolds? Uh, yeah, yeah, aviation. Uh, yep. the, the aviation uh, the aviation gin. And how he partnered with Richard Branson and Virgin Atlantic. So it's it's interesting. Let's see what, what you get there. Uh, related to that, of course, you're expanding on, are you expanding on any other consumer products as well? You know, because the potential for using CO2 uh, in consumer goods is, of course, endless. You know, you're aware, I'm sure, of Lanzatech, 
which is using captured CO2 to make uh, fashion items. We're working on a few things in the background at the moment, nothing I can mention at the moment. We're definitely very focused on ensuring that our core um, you know, consumer products are, are, are running and, and, and how they're supposed to be and that we're really focusing our efforts towards our operation on technology. But there will be some things in the not so distant future that you will see come out. Okay, I'm, I'm looking forward to those <laughs> yeah. on, on what comes out. Um, now, I'm, I'm curious though, of course, you you started with vodka and perfume. Now you're getting into SAF. What percentage of your business currently is traditional items like vodka and perfume, and what percentage is SAF uh, going to be going forward? From a from an operation perspective, yeah, uh, I would say that the the vast vast majority of our business is focused on technological you know, deployment and development. Um, you know, the fact that we make SAF and ethanol from our technology is a part of that but um you know our, our vodka and consumer businesses make up a very, a very small percentage of our business compared to um the time effort and energy that goes into the sustainable aviation fuel side of our business and commercially so this is operationally what about commercially from a revenue standpoint because a lot of the revenues aren't realized on the SAF side until the future uh, i would say that the majority of the revenue um, is realized from our consumer products in the short term um, however um you know, the, the, the cap or the ceiling on the revenue that comes from consumer products is definitely smaller than the cap or the ceiling that can be realized from a, you know, from the TAM of the aviation industry from a fuel perspective. Right. Of course, I think there's the huge growth potential there, especially given that travel is growing for sure, and travel is large and there, there aren't that many uh, alternatives involved. I wonder if you can share something about how you work with these airlines. I mean, Virgin Atlantic or JetBlue is not getting a product today. So what's your pitch to them? Hey, come work with me, but I've got nothing to offer you today. Like, how, how do you make this work? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the the reality of a lot of these, you know, sustainable aviation fuel projects is that, you know, it, it's not something that you have the ability to switch on overnight, right? When you're building factories and you're building plants and putting real steel in the ground, it takes time, um, it takes capital, um, and it takes, you know, the sum of all parts to come together. So, um you know, and what, what you need inside that is you need industry to get behind what you're doing, which we're obviously seeing, a, a, you know, a, a push towards sustainable aviation fuel, which is great. We want to see more of it uh, for sure. Um, but, you know, th- 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 there isn't really a pitch. It's, you know, you know, they know that, you know, most airlines should, should, should know the need for sustainable aviation fuel if it can be cost competitive in the future. Um, and they should be supporting organizations that are working towards that because we need it for our future. Right. And I, I'm definitely encouraged by the support you've been receiving. But in these conversations, are you locking in a price for future for AirMaid SAF? Or is that, you know, are you just doing contracts without a price on it? Uh, we're not doing contracts without a price on it. There's definitely a, pr- a price structure in there, um, you know, and, and, and it is variable and dependent on, you know, what we deem to be our price structure in the future. I think the reality is, is, you're unable to really determine what your cost is going to be until you're really producing at scale, right? You can you can you know model uh, um, you know and, and make assumptions until you're blue in the face, but um, you're really unable to do so until you're really operating at scale, and um, that is a consideration that needs that is take gone taken into place when when working on these deals. Yeah, that that's 
That's exactly my point because I think it's quite challenging. You're not producing it yet. You do not know what your costs are. So how do you promise the airline a price for the future? Yeah, we're, we are producing it at the moment. We're just not producing it at the volumes that are needed for, for mass market. And, and, and you know, that's a consideration that, that they understand as well when working on it. Right. Now, of course, I remember uh, you were going to do some work with NASA on space fuel. Mm-hmm. Is that still a thing? It, it is. We actually won a um, yeah. We won a we won a grant from NASA that that allows us to work on our on our on our rocket fuel uh, as well, which is you know similar similar and uh, similar principles to to the aviation fuel in in a lot of respect as well. Kerosene kerosene based as well, which is great. And you, you know we, we touched on NASA before when we were talking around you know the ability to innovate for space and how that can translate to on Earth. Right. I think that's the ability of you know the work that we do with NASA is they allow us to work on technologies without cost in mind, unlike the private commercial sector where cost is everything. And when you have the ability to work on things without necessarily cost in mind, um, it really spurs innovation. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what comes out of that. It will be fun to see a rocket fuel sure. uh, uh, that's be made using uh, captured carbon. Now, Absolutely. you mentioned um, the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. Has mm-hmm. that had uh, a significant impact on your business as well? There, there is definitely a material impact on the cost structure from a fuel perspective, knowing that you can get access to, you know, three dollars a kilo from a hydrogen perspective as well. Given that, you know, we produce hydrogen in order to make our fuel, so um, yeah, that's one example of the of the implication of it as well, which again allows us to speed up a lot of the timelines when you're thinking through the biggest challenges of the aviation fuel industry from a SAP perspective which is cost and so when you have the ability of the ira to give you those tailwinds and help you come down that cost curve from an incentive point of view um, it just allows us to speed up some of those timelines right no that that does make sense uh finally yep. i would love to hear about some of the biggest challenges you faced when running a startup and, and growing it so quickly how do you do overcome them a lot of challenges, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of blood, sweat, literal blood, sweat, and tears have gone into the projects that, that we're getting off the ground now. And I think that, you know, what comes with the plethora of challenges of, of, of you know, growing and running a startup, um, you know, is a lot of learnings as well. And there's, a, there's a lot of kind of beauty in it. Uh, I think that, you know, just being persistent and having the ability to continually kind of push um, through those challenges is what allows folks to to have a you know a small, moderate, or high level of success as well. And you know we have an incredible team that that kind of gets us through a lot of those challenges as well. So we we, we couldn't do it without them. Right, and you of course have a lot of scientists who are working with you now. Would you consider yourself one? No, I, I wouldn't consider myself a scientist. I'm, I'm hopefully you know getting a little bit um, you know you know uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, dangerous enough to be able to kind of, you know, you know, conversate with them in that respect. But, but no, like I would never kind of, um, you know, that, that is a craft that people spend a lot of time, a lot of years, a lot of work on, and I would never kind of, you know, disrespect them, you know, by, by calling myself one. <laughs> well, hang on with them long enough and perhaps one day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, which, which airlines do you think are doing a good job towards getting towards a, a net zero target? That's a great question. Um, you know, there are a lot. Obviously, I'll mention our, you know, our partners. They're you know partners of our business as well, and, and and give them that plug. But I think that the you know what we're seeing from an airline perspective, you know, in the US and in Europe as well, because of legislation and legislative changes, is obviously helping drive a lot of that sentiment as well as the consumer sentiment of folks, you know, you know, wanting airlines to kind of you know go green in that respect. Um, but 
we need more of it. Uh, and we understand the trepidation, right, given that technology is nascent, given that there are real cost challenges that need to be met from a lot of these companies that are you know, trying to do this. But we're, we're, companies like ours and companies like some of the ones that you've mentioned um, need the support of airlines, you need the support of the industry in order for it to be a reality and for it to be realized as well, right? So uh, I would just encourage um you know, airlines to, to, to support, right. And to be able to, cause it's, what's going to, it's, what's going to allow it to work at scale. Right. Exactly. Now, a lot of your clients of, of course are global. Do you have plans to come up with facilities outside the U S to produce SAP as well? We do. We do. We have plans uh, in Asia. We have plans in Europe. Uh, we only have 27 years left to reach the industry net zero target. Are you an optimist? Do you think we will get there? I'm very much an optimist. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an optimist as an individual, and I think that we're on the right track. I think that um, we need more companies working on what we're working on, right? We get asked the question all the time, you know, from a competition perspective, but the fact that there's only a few companies that have even been able to fly test flights on sustainable aviation fuel, that is a problem, right? And we need, we need more of it. So definitely optimistic, uh, but um, we need to work together in order for it to be successful at scale. Yeah, I think this is the moment for the industry to indeed come together um, and, and raise the tide. Now, the final uh, part of this interview, uh, Greg, is yep. what I call the rapid fire round. Okay. You are a fast talker already, so this will be hyper rapid fire round <laughs> <laughs> um, in which you know we, the listeners get to know you a bit more personally. So we'll just start with something simple. What's your favorite book? Favorite book? Good question. Uh, I was gifted a book recently that I have read in the past that I'm rereading again at the moment that I, uh, I'm a big fan of, which is The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um, I'm not sure if you've read it, but it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting book. In, incredibly familiar, and I've heard it as a favorite book of many other right. uh, people as well. So enjoy enjoy that read. Uh, how about your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Pulp Fiction. Okay, we're going back a little in time. Uh, yeah, what about your... I might give away a little bit of my age there. <laughs> How about your favorite airline? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus on that one as well, but I, I, I would say that I'm a uh, big fan of the airlines that are partners of our business. Um, no, that doesn't work. What's your favorite airline? Come on. JetBlue is a great one. Big, big fan of JetBlue. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad you didn't say Qantas. <laughs> yeah. Got to be a fan of my home country as well. Uh, what's your favorite city? Sydney. Sydney. Okay. Yeah. Is that where you spend most of your life? It's it's definitely where I've spent most of my life up until the last yeah decade, which I've been in New York for the last ten years. But yeah, up until then, pretty much pretty much Sydney. Yep. Yeah, hopefully Qantas is starting this uh, Sydney to New York flight soon and you can get on board. That's right. Um, Absolutely. Till then, you have to fly via Auckland on the Air New Zealand. That's right. Flight. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, what is something that you want to learn? Something that I want to learn. Very great question. I mean, I think that, you know, we're, we're always, we're always learning. Um, and, and one of the things that, I, that I'm really focused on from, from a personal perspective is to do with, um, you know, outside of, outside of work is to really do with, um, you know, mental health. And what I want to try to learn and be better at is how to kind of switch off a little bit, right? When you, when you're working in a startup, you're always just, you're, you're working all the time. So I'd, I'd love to learn how to be better at actually kind of, you know, slowing down. Yeah. Do you meditate? I'm just curious. 
I, I, I do, and I have a, a, a form of meditation that, that I love to do, which is surfing, which is meditation for me as well. Fantastic. I yep. should have guessed Aussie in Florida should be surfing. Um, <laughs> uh, what is it? Some What is something that you do in your free, tra- free time? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I think we answered it there. It's, uh, so, it's 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 surfing. Yeah, for me, it's a it's an incredible way to to stay fit, and stay healthy, but also it's meditation when you're out in in nature and in the ocean and and, and, and with water. So yeah, surfing. Right. Okay, and and finally, what's the best advice you've ever received? That's a, that's a great question. Um, uh, a, a great piece of advice that I received is to live your truth, so no one can use your truth against you. And what that what 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 that means is just you know uh, be be yourself right and and the more you are the more you are of yourself um, you know the less uh, it, it, you know you can never fault people can never fault you and you can never fault yourself because you've just been true to yourself since since day one so live your truth so no one uses it against you very nice very nice so live an authentic life I, I love yeah I love uh, the note we are ending it on uh, Greg. Very exciting work you're doing. Thank you so much for the insights. And I truly wish you all the best. Likewise. And I, I didn't get a chance, but I love your backgrounds as well. You've got the aviation side. You've got the, yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> I like it. And the pin on the shirt. Yeah, nice thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, I've got, I used to say I've got jet fuel in my veins, but now I have to say I've got sap in my veins. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Sustainability in the Air, the world's first podcast dedicated to sustainable aviation. Awareness is the key to a green future, so please give us your support to help our sustainable aviation insights reach a wider audience. You can do this by sharing us with your network or leaving a review. For more information on how aircraft emissions data can help you reach your sustainability goals, visit Sirium from the link in the show notes. You can start a conversation with us at podcast at simplifying.com. And for more content on sustainable aviation, please visit our website, simplifying.com, and join the movement.